The first reading is from Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, and the eunuch asked, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns, until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God, and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise in honor of our Christ as we prepare our hearts to hear his holy gospel. 
Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come, we will come to him and make our home with him. Gospel according to St. John, the 15th chapter. Glory be to you, the words of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. It's the end of the epistle reading for today that serves as the basis for the meditation. It's before you in the bulletin insert, so we're not going to repeat it at this time. We certainly invite you to keep it close at hand, to refer to it and look it over as the message goes along. Please join me in a word of prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In that Redeemer, Jesus Christ, your fellow saints of the Most High God, it's said that, well, it's known that President Calvin Coolidge was rather brief in his usage of words. He was always succinct and to the point, and once when he went to worship alone because his wife was ill, she asked him upon returning to the White House whether he enjoyed the service, and he nodded his head, and she pressed on. She said, well, what was the message about? And he looked at her and said, sin? She wouldn't give up. She said, well, what did the preacher say about it? And President Coolidge said, He was against it. (laughs) The same can be said when it comes to the subject of love shared among us. Go to just about any church and you'll hear people say they're in favor of love. They're all for it. Just go to any individual on the street and they'll speak in favor of love too. Love, yep, we're definitely for it. No church, no religion, no church, much less any individual would speak against love. We're all for it. But it reminds me of a cartoon I once saw. 
of a gal visiting her neighbor. She was sick, the neighbor was, and the gal was by her bedroom door saying her farewell, and in the background you could see a sink full of dishes piled high, and in the corner of the bedroom a basket full of dirty clothes, and next to that a basket filled with clothes that needed to be ironed, and there were some unkempt children running around in the background yelling and screaming at each other, fighting with one another. And by the cat kitchen sink, there was a cat licking up some spilled milk from a tipped-over carton. And the caption has the smiling neighbor saying, Well, Florence, if there's anything I can do for you, just let me know. <laughs> so, when you go home today, if anyone asks you what was the sermon about, it was about love. And you can say that the Apostle John and the pastor were definitely for it. And they challenged us to be for it, too. But there's more to love than just being for it. There's more because the source of that love itself is Jesus Christ himself. We shouldn't only be in favor of love, we should be ready to demonstrate that love, just as Jesus was the ultimate demonstration of God's love for us. And so we're challenged by that loving Lord to love one another and to love others in his name. Not just speaking words of love, speaking pious platitudes and the like, religious cliches perhaps, but actually living, loving lives. Realize, though, that it's not natural to love others. On a national level, the disease that's known as the French pox in England is called the English pox in France. In Czechoslovakia, drinking too much is referred to as drinking like a Dutchman. But in Holland, the country now, not the town where I live. It's called drinking like a pole. In Hungary and Austria, a cockroach is called a Frenchman. Seems like each nation associates a host of miscellaneous vulgarities and vices, diseases and disagreeable traits with other nationalities than their own. And even on an individual level, it doesn't get much better. Most of us have checking accounts with a variety of motifs printed on them. A while back, a bank down in Marin County, Georgia, went one step further. It offered its customers the opportunity to put their own motifs and pictures on their checks. And so one gentleman ordered some special checks with him kissing his new wife so that he could send those when he made alimony payments to his first wife. It's not natural to love one another or to look out for the interests of others. That's why so many religions have to talk about love. They're for it. In order to motivate people to do this unnatural act of loving one another, 
they resort to all sorts of tactics. Some say that you ought to love your brother so that you're not reincarnated in the next life as a cockroach or some other insect. And there are those that say, if you don't love, you're going to end up being punished. There are all sorts of threats of punishment. Others offer all types of merit badges and rewards. They can be yours either here and now or in the hereafter. It's only Christianity that neither condones nor uses such methodologies. At least it shouldn't. And unfortunately, we know all too often some do. Well, St. John summarizes a Christian's motivation well when he says, we love because he, God, first loved us. First and foremost, a Christian loves because he's been loved by Jesus Christ, in and through Christ. We see Jesus not just as an example worthy of emulation, although he certainly is that as well. No, our encouragement to love comes from having been loved by him. And we know how Jesus practiced his love for us. It's a special love, a divine love, a love that loved us when we loved him not, a love that loved us while we were still sinners, still his enemies. Jesus didn't wait until we fixed ourselves, cleaned ourselves up, made ourselves presentable and acceptable to him. No, he knew that you and I could never do that, so he did it for us. He loved us in our sin, in spite of our sin-stained natures and our sin-filled lives and our continuing to sin. Jesus loved us not in some nebulous, abstract, theoretical, theological way, not by, or but by becoming one of us, living his life, fulfilling every bit and parcel of God's law, fulfilling every Old Testament prophecy concerning God's Messiah. He loved us even while being misunderstood by the very people he came to save, even while being rejected by his own, his countrymen, his townspeople, his family, his disciples. He loved us while he was unjustly accused, unfairly tried, cruelly beaten, and finally nailed to a cross to die. And that love, his love for us, is what moves you and me to not just be for love, but actually to seek to love, to reach out in love and with love, to act out that love, to seek to love others as Jesus loved us in his name so that they too might know that his love is for them as well. No Christian, having seen and experienced that divine compassion and mercy, can remain untouched, unmoved. If you're united with Christ, 
and have the comfort of Christ's forgiving, restoring love. If the Holy Spirit is pulsating within your heart and being, working within you, then you and I cannot help but to reflect that love, imperfect as it might be on our part, and seek to share it with others. The story comes out of the aftermath of World War II, as soldiers were being released from a Russian prison camp. Only a certain number could be immediately released because there was only so much room on the last remaining ship that was taking off before the port would be iced in for the winter. And so, as the men were selected, there were two who had been buddies all through the war and now in the camp. One was chosen, the other wasn't. Each prisoner was allowed to take with him a duffel bag of his own belongings. So the one chosen went back to the barracks. He emptied his duffel bag of all of its contents and he told his friend to climb in. And then he carefully zipped him up, put it over his shoulder and boarded the ship with his friend hiding in the duffel bag, taking him along to freedom. That's being for love all the way, even if it costs us. That's having the kind of love that Christ had, has for us. Not just being for it in some theoretical sort of way, but looking for the physical and spiritual needs and interests of others. Extending oneself for another even as Christ extended himself on a cross for us. I can't put it any better than St. John did when he said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice, the payment in full for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We're challenged by our Lord to do just that, to seek to love each other as he loved us, not just in words, but in action. And the Holy Spirit, through the means of grace, empowers and enables us first to love Jesus and then to look around and love those around us, those he gave and put into our life to do that to and with, for his name's sake and for their salvation's sake. You and I can be more than just in favor of love. With our words, our gifts, our lives, we can love as he first loved us. And when we fall short, we know where to go, back to his love. For that love continues to forgive and restore and put us back into the world to love once more. May it be so for us until he calls us home. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And the peace of God.
which passes all our human understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, your risen and reigning Lord and Savior. Amen.